Welcome to episode number 53. It's Fonger News of the student manager joining me from her home down in Southern California, San Diego. We have the counselor of California, Jordan Berner, class of, I think you graduated Tennessee in class of 12, correct? I sure did. You are total Rocky Top Mountain, like bleed orange, uh, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, I was watching Peyton play football when I was four years old. I have pictures of me as a little girl, or when I was a little girl wearing Tennessee cheerleader outfits. I am a Tennessee Vol through and through. I love it. So wait, you were born and raised It's in Knoxville, correct? Right, exactly. So I was born and raised in Knoxville. I was born just a couple miles from campus. Um, was raised about 15 minutes from campus and then moved out to California shortly after, after graduating grad school. I went to Wake Forest University for grad school and then came out to California and I've been working in admissions ever since. Shit, Jordan, that could be a whole nother episode. Just talk about <laughs> Wake Forest, <laughs> the Demon Deacons. But you know That's what? That's right. I tell people out here and obviously the student manager first, I want to give it up. My executive producer who's right near me, Murph Cargis, formerly of Sugar Ray, the band. Are you, do you know who Sugar Ray is? Have you ever heard that? Oh band? my gosh. Yes, of course. <laughs> What's your favorite song? <laughs> What's that? What's your favorite song of Sugar Ray? Okay. So I'm going to sound super bad right now because I can hear the melody in my head, but uh-huh. I can't think of the actual title. Hold on a second. It's going to come to me when it's over. When it when it's over, when that's it's over. he he just gave me a thumbs up, Jordan. You have to. She's humming it now, Jordan or, or Murph. You got to go to episode number fifty. Um, Murph Cargus was my guest speaker or my uh, guest because he's been with me from the start, and we've now have fifty three episodes or fifty two, and we kind of did like a little flashback memory, and he talked about his experience and his wild times on the road uh, oh with Sugar God. Ray. All right, so I'll send you that link. But but yeah. anyways. I love uh, uh, Knoxville, and like I tell my followers and audience that listen, I try to help people with the college search and admission process. And I've been to Knoxville. I went to one of the games uh, against Georgia. Uh, they uh-huh. played Georgia, and it was in September and October. And I tell people this, and you're going to know the answer, but we'll, we'll tee it up. Name two college stadiums where you can sailgate in America. Well, Neyland Stadium, that's the first, right? Why yes. not? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Neyland Stadium, and then Michigan, I believe, has one. Uh, and you're missing one. Well, yeah, there's three, but I named the most important two. Uh, but uh, you're just playing down the Pac-12, my daughter, University of Washington. There's the Washington. third. Washington. Yes. Oh, okay. All, right. All right. So tell students out there that are listening, and one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them props up because my friend I don't know if I got you in touch with Dave Allen's son but he got accepted to Tennessee and he had no idea what a sailgate was I'm like dude you roll up in a boat in September (laughs) you drink and then you roll into Neyland Stadium so true so give expand on more color talk about the sailgate experience okay so sailgating is one of our top Tennessee traditions so we are all about traditions at the University of Tennessee. Founded in 1794, we've been around for 226 years. So things that we do consistently are a huge part of our identity. Sail gaining is one of them. So we are right along the Tennessee River. Neyland Stadium is the fifth largest stadium in the country. Um, one of three stadiums accessible by water. So we named Michigan <laughs> Stadium in Washington. Um, forgive me for not remembering the other one, but um, we are the fifth largest stadium in the country, including NFL stadiums. So 
very large stadium, accessible by water. It makes it a super, super cool aspect of being a UT student. But people will bring their boats along the docks right next to where you get off the docks to enter into the stadium. And they just tailgate for hours on the boats prior to the game. We have little like dinghy boats, speed boats, everything to yachts like the Volunteer Princess, which is a local favorite. Um, it's a Knoxville based boat where you can have parties and get togethers and things like that. Um, but it's just a really special time. And a lot of the vessels are actually registered with something that we call the Vol Navy. Okay. So we're the Tennessee Volunteers. For short, we call ourselves the Vols. And the Vol Navy are all the vessels that have registered to be a part of this sailgating experience. So if you're a diehard sailgator, you're going to be a part of the Vol Navy. And a lot of people will invite you on, even if you don't have your boat yourself. A lot of people let you come on and be a part of it. It's a really cool experience. I, I got to tell you, it when we went to game day, uh, that there's the bar right after you get off that dock. And we just sat outside. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And then all of a sudden, everyone started walking over to the game. And that was a whole nother scene. I think we're going down Phil Fulmer <laughs> Way. And it's yep. a beautiful campus. So uh, uh, let's just uncover the elephant here. Because here in Southern California, besides people here trying to wear the sweatshirt brand, going to UCLA, USC, especially here in Newport Beach, Orange County. And now I'm trying to expand my podcast um, and, and take it bigger. But a lot of people are going to SEC schools, okay? So first, mm -hmm. a couple years ago, they were all going to Alabama, especially from Modern Day uh, and then some Newport Harbor. And then recently, University of Georgia has been a big one. And I, I love Georgia. I wanted my daughter, to, my second daughter to go there, but she she's uh, now at Wisconsin. And she said, Daddy, I'm so glad I did not get there, uh, get in because everyone got a, uh, it, it from Newport's like going to Georgia. And it, it'd almost be like, you know, just going down the street and hanging out with friends again. I'm selling Tennessee. That's the one I've been telling everybody about. I said, Have you ever thought about Tennessee? Because they're like, well, I should go to Bama. I'm like, Bama? Fuck Bama. I, I might get killed for that. Or else I've been to Auburn. Okay. I've yeah. been to Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt's for smart people. So, um, <laughs> right? right. Those are smarty pants. And then there's Ole Miss. And I'm like thinking, all right, I got some friends that have kids there. I said, why not Tennessee? So, mm -hmm. how do you sell Tennessee to Southern California? What's your pitch? What are we talking about here uh, about Tennessee that can separate you from all those other schools I just mentioned? Well, listen, I mean, something that we know about those other schools is that they each have their thing that draws people to them. I mean, Alabama, they were on top of football for a really long time. So I'm sure that drew students in and they have um, some other special things that, that are attractive to them. But um out of the SEC, the University of Tennessee is really, truly a gem of a school. So some high points, like I had already mentioned, we were founded in 1794. So to give you a little history lesson, because I'm a nerd and I've come to accept it, <laughs> Knoxville was founded in 1791. The University of Tennessee was founded in 1794. The state of Tennessee was founded in 1796. So our university is actually older than the wow. state of Tennessee. That's right. A, that's a fun fact, JB. <laughs> it's a really cool <laughs> fact. So when people ask, like, are y'all good at this? You know, students come up to the table. Are you guys good at this? Are you good at that? I'm like, um, I'd say we're pretty all right. We've had 226 years right? to perfect so our education in this area. So we have 
over 360 undergraduate majors to choose from for students. That puts us in the top 1% of universities in the world for quantity of undergraduate majors offered. I actually don't know of another university in the world that has more undergraduate options than we do. So I always tell students, if you want it, we probably have it. And because we've been around so long, we probably do it well. Now, if students are looking for marine biology, they're out of luck because we're a landlocked state. <laughs> probably not a good idea for us to offer that. Right. But for the most part, we have what people are looking for. I mean, of course, we're going to have solid programs and the main things that students are interested in, the, the traditional programs. So um, that's something that really causes us to stand out. We're home to the world's first body farm. So what's a body farm? Let's let's talk about a body farm. (laughs) I will tell you about that. Our professor, Dr. Bill Bath, founded the body farm in the 1970s. And what it is, it's a facility where people can donate corpses to science. And our scientists, our professors, our students observe those bodies decomposing in different environments with different things happening. I'm not going to get too graphic because I don't know who's listening, but, um, you know, learning how bodies decompose in different areas and they make note of what the decomposition process looks like at 10 hours, at 10 days, Mm -hmm. at all these different stages. And then they provide that information to forensic anthropologists and scientists so that they can help determine if they find a body or if they're trying to identify a body, how long it's been there what might have happened to it, those kinds of things. So we're actually an FBI training facility. Um, the French National Forensics team came to train with us a couple of summers ago. So we're an international training facility. Um, we are the first um, uh, in the world and and really the, the best, in my humble opinion, um, for forensic anthropology studies. So that's a key thing for us. We also have a space institute. Um, we've had 10 astronauts in the last 35 years um, come out of the University of Tennessee, 10 NASA astronauts. So that's huge. Um, we also have a partnership with Oak Ridge National Laboratory. So again, with some history, if you know anything about the Manhattan Project, it took place at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. And we have a specific partnership with that lab where our engineering students and um, chemical type major students can study there at a national lab and get that kind of experience. So there's just some really key things that make us a pretty sweet place to be. And we're not just a a one note kind of school where it's just engineering or just this or just that. It's kind of across the board. Jordan, were you a history major? I wasn't. I just, I love, I'm totally nerdy. Another thing I forgot to mention is we're one of 30 vet schools. So yeah. What was your major when you were there? Um, so I started out political science. I was going to run the courtroom. I was in debate and mock trial, the whole thing. And then um, I went and served in Peru over a summer and I came back and changed my major to Spanish. So um, linguistics is my primary focus. And so Peru, was that your study abroad by chance? No, I was a, a missionary. So I went there just to serve and love on people. I wasn't like handing out tracts or right. asking if people knew my Lord and Savior. It was more, <laughs> it was more of a, a time to be able to just bless people and be there for them and learn from them. Not not the white savior complex, but literally just to learn from the people Good and be there. You. Well, <laughs> so, you know, I'm just curious, what what's your biggest takeaway? Uh, something that you experienced there that that you'll remember? It was honestly just an experience for me to to learn how differently people live. The home that I was living in, the stove itself was two cinder blocks with a piece of metal on top of it and um, 
a circle cut out of it and then fire would just go under it. Um, we drank tea by pulling the weeds out of the yard and then just sticking them in hot water. Um, I just got an opportunity to really see how other, other people live, other cultures. And, um, I honestly think that in many ways they're a lot more um, better. They're a lot better off than we are in a lot of ways. I didn't use technology while I was there. I didn't have a phone and didn't have a computer. It's real um, life. So it was honestly such a blessing. And, and that's why I changed my major when I came back because I, I felt like there was so much to learn from people who are different than me. And that's really one of the reasons why I think that students should consider going out of state and should consider coming to a place like Tennessee because um, a lot of Californians have this Californication experience that California is the best state in this in the country that it you know it's really the lap of luxury in Southern California a lot of students not every student is privileged obviously but a lot of students grow up being exposed to privilege and grow up being exposed to a lot of resources and opportunities and so um they think that this is the only way to be or this is the best way to be. And whenever you go and visit another place, you realize, man, there are a lot of really awesome things about other parts of the country that I wouldn't have expected. Um, I've brought friends back home to Tennessee and they're like, wow, I wasn't expecting it to be so developed. <laughs> I thought it was going to be right. like kind of like in the country with tractors. And I'm like, no, we have booming cities. And a couple of times people are like, I didn't realize that you wore shoes out there. And I'm like, well, at least expect us to wear cowboy boots, if nothing else. Okay. Yeah. We, we, um, we have stop signs and we, and we have stop lights. No, I think what you just hit on, and that's why I love having this podcast and having different guests on, because first of all, California universities, they're hard to get into. Right. And there's mm -hmm. such a big pull out here in California, not to mention Southern California. And then specifically, you know, the pocket we are Orange County, San Diego. There are people think that the only schools out here are either blue and yellow or like maroon and gold. Hello. Yeah. Have you looked at their acceptance rate? So that just tells mm -hmm. you there's so many other great institutions, not to mention Tennessee, not to mention the SEC, but other schools out there. I mean, I think that's why I was so happy. One of my daughters went to Washington and the other went to Wisconsin. And she told me, uh, people asked her, you know, she, she's experiencing her freshman year during COVID. They're like, well, how was your freshman year? And she does not know what she doesn't know. So she's saying it's been the best time of her life. And she said, I can always go back to California when I graduate. But yeah. I want to go live somewhere, experience. She's leaving this Thursday to go back to Madtown. And she said, oh, my God, how cold is it out there? But she gets to experience <laughs> that, right? <laughs> that's right. And that's the, that's the thing to remember is four years is not a lifetime. But it's a really wonderful opportunity for you to have a place where you know you're going to have a place to stay you know housing is guaranteed at a lot of schools it is at Tennessee and you know that you're going to have an opportunity to safely experience another place with people who are going to help you integrate into a culture and a community with activities organizations you're not just going to be moving to some random state with no plan or no purpose it's a really great opportunity to experience another place and always knowing you can come back to Absolutely. California if you want and also just I really want to just quickly make a note that the acceptance rate can be so deceiving in the state of California. It's not that these schools, there are schools that are very prestigious. I won't take away from that, but it's not that every school in the state of California is more prestigious than anywhere else. It's literally the ratio of the number of in-state students mm -hmm. to positions open, spots open for these students in the state of California, the schools that are available. So there's just, it's a, it's a ratio is all it is. It's not like every school in California is, is that much more prestigious than other places. And so, um, 
that can sometimes be deceiving for students thinking, if I don't get into a California school, I've missed out on the opportunity for a great education. That's definitely not the case. I'm glad you hit on that. And, you know, there's so many things and directions we can go because I, I will get into the, the some of the numbers and what it, it takes to get into uh, UT. But I, I really want to focus on because if I'm a student listening and if I'm a parent listening, there's a couple things I want to find out about. And you went to UT and you recently mm-hmm. graduated in 12. So let's talk about first, um, let's talk about the social life. Right. Because I know yeah. Greek life, there's maybe about 18 uh, percent. There's 21 fraternities or 13 sororities. Were you in the Greek life? I was. So I went about it a different way, Okay, um, which helps me to have a really cool perspective. So I did not enter into the University of Tennessee going into Greek life. I didn't go through the recruitment process. Um, you know, I I'd kind of joked, I will admit this. Y'all can shoot me later, but I joked like I don't need to pay for my friends. I don't need to do that. <laughs> you know, like I have other GDI. Things, I'm so. a goddamn individual. <laughs> <laughs> I really was super involved in other things. I was in choirs at UT. I was a founding member for a couple of the choirs there, and or, or a founding member in one of the choirs, and a part of a couple of the other choirs there. And I was um, one of the first members of the debate team and the mock trial team that started. So I. I really was super involved prior to that, but through those organizations, um, one of the the young women that was in a choir with me said, you know, I really think that you would be great for this sortie. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and she was like, no, I really do. I think that you would be great. Just come meet some of the, the people, see what it's like. And I went to the suite during the springtime. They were doing spring recu- recruitment okay. for, for spots of people had graduated and spots opened up and I was expecting them to talk about the color pink and all their partying and all the like stuff that stereotypical things that you would see in a movie or a show. But I got there and they were talking about public policy and social change and, and leadership on campus. And, and these women were really, really contributing to some very important things. And I was like, Oh, I actually want to surround myself with these women. I want to be associated with these women. And so I went through the recruitment process as a sophomore, um, second semester of my sophomore year. So I didn't fully get, um, initiated until a junior. So I had a different experience. And that's You know what? There's always a road well-traveled. And I remember Mm -hmm. some of my fraternity brothers came in either as a transfer or a little bit later. What what sorority, what part of organization were you? I'm a Delta Gamma. A DG. DG at Tennessee. DG (laughs) at Tennessee. Okay. So um, talk to me about... The if 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 I'm a mom out there or if I'm a, a daughter out there, or a female listening, tell me about the DG house at Tennessee. Um, some of the things to expect uh, uh, if if I want to go through that recruitment process. Yeah, so I will tell you a funny story. Um, so I never got to live in the sorority houses. There's now a beautifully built sorority village at the University of Tennessee. I never got to live there because um, for years. There had to be work to overturn a dated law in the state of Tennessee that more than 30 women living in the same house is considered a brothel. Okay. (laughs) We weren't allowed to have houses for a long time. So they finally got Hmm. that law overturned, built the houses, and the house was built on in 2013. It was open and ready um, the year after I graduated. So I guess the fall of 2012. Um, So right after I graduated, people started moving in that that fall. But I did get to live on Laurel. Laurel Hall used to be um, where the sorties would live. 
Um, it was an apartment style living area for University of Tennessee students. And that was super awesome. Um, my experience, I, I did not want to be in an organization where I felt like it was just a bunch of nonsense. I was really intentional about my time at the University of Tennessee. I wanted to, to make a difference. I wanted to be a part of something that really mattered. And so um, Delta Gamma's philanthropy is service for sight. And so I was the VP Foundation, Vice President Foundation, which is the philanthropy chair. And I got to build relationships with a Knoxville organization called Club Vibes and mm-hmm. Vibes for Visually Impaired Blind Enhancement Services. And I got so close to them that when I moved out to San Diego, they actually flew out to San Diego and spent some time with me, um, several people in that organization, uh, just so that we could stay in touch. Um, but we we got to really support them and raise money and funds that helped support that organization and um, our, our national um, organization as well, the things that we do nationally for service for sight. It was just really an awesome way to give back, an awesome way to, to have community and still contribute to something not only locally at the university level and at the city level, but also um, countrywide and even on a global level in some ways. Um, I felt very safe. The University of Tennessee is really, really against hazing, like legit against hazing. I saw um, fraternities reprimanded for that while I was there. So um, moms and young women alike, that's not something that you need to worry about. Um, it's very important that that women are treated with respect and that they treat each other with respect. So that was super safe. It was a really fun time. I made some of my very best friends in college while I was there um, that I'm still in touch with to this day. Um, and it, I just think it was a great experience. I really, truly would recommend it to, uh, Greek life only makes up 20% of the, the capacity on campus of students, but it does make up 50% of the leadership on campus. So if you go Greek, you're likely to be involved in leadership and other things as well. And, and it makes that community much smaller. It can make a large campus. I think there's what, uh, uh, I'm looking at my numbers. What? 29, well, almost 30,000. 30, 30, 30,000. Yeah. yeah. So you can always make a large campus small. It's a good community. Yeah. And, and you hit on it. Cause I was going to ask the question now that you've graduated, some of your closest friends are probably, and I tell my kids this are going to be your, your sorority sisters. Right. Or yep. more importantly, like how do you get jobs? The networking, the alumni network. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the alumni network for sorority and fraternity life is great. And we do have 40 plus organizations at the University of Tennessee Greek Life. So we have 13 a national panhellenic council uh, organizations, 21 interfraternity council organizations. And then we have, um, let me check, uh, NPHC organizations. I'm trying to remember. I think it's um, 11. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, there's a lot of organizations and clubs you can get involved in. Oh, a ton, a ton. And on top of the Greek life, we have 600 plus student organizations to be involved in outside of that. So um, like I mentioned, I was in debate, mock trial. I was in um, Revolution. I'm a founding member of Revolution, which is the women's acapella group. There is a grilling organization, student organization, if you can be involved in that. There are a lot of intercultural and multicultural organizations. If you want something that's geared towards diversity and multiculturalism, there's um, a ton of organizations for public policy and research because we have the Center for Public Policy right on campus. So a ton of things for students to be involved involved. in. Yeah. So let and me ask you this. B-O-L-V-E-D. Get involved. I, Our name is literally in it. <laughs> I, I love it. It's true. I tell every 
Um, and I hear that a lot from not only my guests is get involved, do something. So it's COVID. So mm-hmm. how, what advice are you giving to high school students, uh, parents that are out there listening um, on this college search and admission process, right? I've already submitted all my applications. Maybe I'm also, okay, not only that's for a senior, but maybe I'm a junior, class of 22 graduating high school. What advice do you give me? Tennessee shut down. I can't go see it. Um, talk to me. Well, um, we aren't shut down, so that's a good thing. Um, you can visit our campus and you can schedule tours um, that are, are socially distanced and COVID guideline um, comparable. Right, so right. We, students aren't able to visit, but there's a ton of online resources. So we pivoted very quickly. And I will tell you that we had the highest enrollment that we have ever had in the history of University wow. of Tennessee for our freshman class this last year. And I think it's because people were able to see that we were taking care of students when things happen. So our students um, in the spring of last year, the ones that were already enrolled in school, Those students, we made sure that every single one of them had internet and computers to be able to complete their schoolwork when they were sent home. So the university comped and and reached out to alumni, to supporters in the area, um, to to raise money to be able to provide that technology for students so that not a single student would be left behind. If a student wasn't in an area where internet was super great, we made sure that they had MiFi's or something like that. So every student had the ability to be successful. Um, and seeing the university pivot and move and, and the community, not just alumni and not just current employees, but the, the community of Knoxville and, and, and the community of all fans in general supporting these students, there's nothing like it. That's why we call it the volunteer family. So no parents and students knowing that no matter what happens with this virus, you're going to be taken care of and that you're going to have the resources you need to be successful. I think that's huge. Also knowing that we're compliant with the CDC guidelines, with the state guidelines, with the county guidelines to make sure that everyone is safe and secure, but also able to experience the campus and be able to experience things. We did allow students to come and and watch football games at a 20% capacity. So they still got to experience things that make the UT student life really stand out and and be really great. I love it. If students were in a classroom, they would be able to be in the classroom once, let's say it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. A third would go on Monday, a third would go on Wednesday, a third would go on Friday. So everybody got to be in the classroom with their professor and not just be online the whole time. But if you want to be online the whole time, you have that you, freedom too. You could so. do that too. Let me ask you this. Yep. What's the, in a normal world, what's the ratio? What's uh, students to faculty? 17 to 1. 17 to so 1. So it's a lot smaller than you would expect for a 23,000 undergraduate number. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and then, I mean, your big lecture halls, what was your biggest lecture hall? So my biggest, my biggest lecture was psychology, and that is the largest program at the University of Tennessee. But I will tell you this, every single one of my professors knew me by name. There's something magical about the University of Tennessee. Now, I did my due diligence at the beginning of my classes. I always went up and shook my professor's hands. I know that's taboo now. Don't do that, students. But maybe an elbow or this bump something, <laughs> um, but I'm, I made sure and introduced myself, but the professors care so much about each student. They don't want you to be a number. And we also had breakout groups where TAs or GAs or the professor themselves would come in and engage with us and interact with us in smaller 
groups. So there was never a time when I was just in a large lecture hall and I was able to escape and not, not be seen. And it's like that now. Well, I love what you're doing. And I, I, preach this to my own kids. I said, just introduce yourself. Say hi to the teacher. Yeah. Even during online, my son's now, I have a freshman and my last kid, kid's a freshman in high school. And I, and I say, just make yourself stand apart. Yep. Ask, ask for help, even if you don't need help. So That's right. um, as, let me ask you this, as a counselor of California, and before we got into this conversation, that it's probably heavy reading season. You're mm-hmm. reading a bunch of, are, are you reading is it all the California essays? Most of the people that you, you know, obviously during a normal world, you're going to the high schools, the fairs, and and touching mm-hmm. bases with the students. Are these the essays you're reading? Are you overlapping reading essays from all over? So I am actually the counselor for Southern California, Arizona, Hawaii, and Nevada. So I read all of the essays for that territory. Um, so that's, we have multiple essays. We have the required essay the optional essay that students can write, an optional COVID-19 experience essay. And then if you choose to go test optional, we have the test optional essay that is required as well. I'm reading all of that. And then there's a second reader that will read the application after I read. And then the application goes to a committee where they all read it. So there's three touch points that an application will go through in order to be reviewed for admission. And the second reader doesn't see my decision um, and if I was to be a second reader, I wouldn't see the first reader's decision. The only people that sees all the decisions are the committee itself. Okay. You just answered my, I was going to ask, do, yeah. do, if you're the first level, does the second level know what you said? Or if they if, don't, if you say no, do they, does it even get to the second level, which they don't? Um, yeah. So if I say, um, to deny, it would still go to a second reader and they would be able to make their own decision without knowing what I said. And then the committee itself would make a decision. So it's truly fair and unbiased throughout the whole process. So being biased and, and, and not knowing what circumstances are during COVID you're reading a lot. Tell me what stands out. What are you seeing? What hits your heart? What's making you say yes. What's making you say no. So we are a holistic process. I know a lot of students are worried because especially in California, there was just no way for students to test. So I want students to know that at least at our school, they're not penalized for not being able to find a test. Um, But what does stand out is if a student has solid GPA, I look for things like I look through every every single one of their courses and their grades and I see if there's an upward trend over time. So if a student has a lower GPA than we would typically admit, I look at to see if their grades have trended up over time if they've made progress that indicates improvement you don't want to penalize a student for not having everything figured out in their life together their freshman year you know you want to make sure that students are given opportunities so i look at those things we also are the tennessee volunteers so volunteerism is huge for us so if a student doesn't have any community service it honestly can um, be a negative for that student we want to see people who think about other people and who are considerate and and give back to the community community service can look different for everybody in covid there's not really a way to serve the community right now so students have been taking my advice as they talk to me and putting their application i've been serving my parents and taking care of my siblings while they're at work and doing the dishes and mowing the lawn or whatever else i guess not many people mow lawns in california but you get what i mean So there are a lot of ways for students to serve their community um, or or students raising funds online, doing a GoFundMe for a family in need, something like that. There are creative ways and, and honestly really appreciate those creative ways that students are making themselves stand out. But um, 
I just think it's very imp important that students show all the things that they're involved in. So we have a number of things that we look at for an application, um, leadership, community service, resiliency, determination, those kinds of things. Um, and we want to see those key points. Let me ask you this because I, I talked to a lot of uh, other guests and then I talked to students and parents and, and I say, you know, you got to separate yourself. You got to stand out because they're reading so much, many of the same things, and they yeah. might hire an external counselor to give them all the ver, the, the, the you know, the traditional what you should say. But what are some things not to do during the should I say the essay or the application process? What are some big turnoffs right away? Help my audience. Um. Well, reading. Another school's name in the essay is definitely not a good thing. <laughs> so a lot of times I, I know students are trying to be efficient and effective and they'll copy and paste the same thing, but leave okay. the other school's name in it. So just check that, you know, do a quick review. And then um, if a school is your backup or your safety school, don't rush the application because <laughs> even if you think I'm hoping that I don't have to go to the school and I really want to get into these other schools, this may be your option right? and don't want it to look bad. I can read, I can tell, we all can tell us admissions reps. We can tell the student has rushed an application, rushed an essay, hasn't done their research. Um, so if you're applying to a school, know that that school is investing in you, taking the time to read your application, to make a fair decision. Give us your best back. Um, do not rush. Don't just half do it because it really is noticeable and we really do read that and it does make an impact that's great advice i i i try to give as much recommendations as i can on the essay don't say for example and you can agree or disagree but hey the winning goal of the winning shot our student body president <laughs> right or i did this trip or actually you paid for it to do something but you can really <laughs> separate you're laughing because you probably hear you read those and you're like oh gosh here's another one right yep the big game the big <laughs> injury the big trip all that yeah so uh, now let's talk about you know what it takes to get in. If I'm not mistaken, uh, you're ranging from 25 to 31 ACT, maybe like a 3.9 GPA. And um, this is all, of course, uh, obviously Tennessee's test optional, but that's the, the range, correct, to get in unweighted GPAs? Yeah, so um, we actually do a, a core weighted calculated GPA through the university itself. Um, and it, the, the range for the test scores, it's, it's closer to 26 ACT is our middle average. Okay. And then, um, the GPA is, um, like a, a three, eight to a four, five, four, six, something like that is our, our, um, well, I guess the, the middle average would be around a four, two, four, three. Um, so I don't have the numbers actually for our most recent class. That's that's our our numbers for the previous year. Let, let but me, it's pretty high. Let me ask you this: for your most recent class of applications, you might or might not know this answer. Do you have more applications this year than you did last year at this time? Yeah, we do. Um, we're we're hitting record numbers again. Uh, and from Southern California and your Arizona, yes. Nevada. Yeah. The, I actually have more applications for my ter territory this year. It's almost double in some places. So Yeah, because people want to go out of state. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the SEC is all open. <laughs> you look at the states, obviously it's all open. Like you said, you're right. Part of that, they got to experience games, right? Mm -hmm. And the campus is open. Tennessee, 
a 78% acceptance rate. And I always tell parents, don't look at the acceptance rate. What do you think I tell them to look at? What percentage, what rate do you think I'm telling them to look at? I'm not trying to stump you, but I thought I'd No, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say because I always tell them to never pay attention to that at all. I tell them don't ever look at the acceptance rate. I tell them to look at the retention rate because that's of the percentage of freshman students that are happy that are coming back. So do you know, right. do you know Tennessee's retention rate? Yes. Um, so our retention rate is 87% Dang. for for going back for their yep. second year. You're smart. <laughs> History, you love numbers. Okay. And then after you go back your second year, your junior, senior year, do you know the graduation rate? This is what I always tell parents to look at too. Yeah. So our six-year graduation rate is about 70%. Um, our, our Office for Institutional Research breaks it down between male students and female students. And so it's a little bit lower for males. It's in the like 68% range. And then for females, it's in the 72, 73% range. So on average, it's, it's about 70%. <laughs> the females are graduating more. Well, actually, <laughs> you you had it. I would have been happy. I, I have 68%. But the, here, here's another uh, geeky number that I love. And I always ask students this too. Uh, and they should, if they don't know this answer, I'm like, hello, it's college is not the four-year degree. It's, I'm going to steal this from my uh, Cal Poly friend. <laughs> He's the coach at Cal Poly uh, basketball up here in San Luis Obispo. It's John Smith. He says, we are a 40-year degree, not a four-year degree, <laughs> right? So with that said, how many alumni are in the UT Vol family? The last I checked, I think this number has grown, but the last I checked, it's 250,000. Keep on going. Is it up to 270 now? It's 335,000. Is it really? Yeah. We really need to boast that a little bit more. I would. <laughs> like, hello. I mean, it, the colleges that I talk, when I talk to parents and talk to students, I always say, you know, big alumni network, big alumni network. That's who. You, that's where you're gonna, probably going to get your job from. I mean, that's why I love where my daughters are at Washington and Wisconsin, because I feel those are solid alumni networks where you can at least get a job. Uh, and not only through your sororities, but also through the university. So. Well, I can tell you, our alumni network is super active. So when I moved to San Diego, that was one of the first things I did was get in contact with my alumni organization out here. It's very, very active. And I'll also tell you something else that's crazy. Outside of the alumni network, there are just a lot of people that love Tennessee and are Tennessee Vol fans, even if they get, didn't go to the University of Tennessee. And I have I've traveled all over the world. <laughs> I've never been to a country where I haven't met a ball fan. I make it a point to wear something Tennessee every time that I travel. And without fail, I will have someone bounding toward me, ready to give me a hug or a go balls or a Rocky top or something. Yes. Creating that familial reality that truly and truly, if you wear that iconic orange, people around the world who are ball fans, alumni, you name it, they're going to want to connect with you. I mean, I'm as guilty as even being in the passenger seat and driving down the interstate and seeing somebody with a vol sticker on their car and having them roll down their window and yelling, go balls out the window and them yelling back, go balls. It's just, there is a, an electricity in our family that is legitimate. And honestly, a vol fan would give them, give you the shirt off their back and the job that they have, if they can help you out in any way, it's really it, like that. It's true. I, I went to Nashville uh, a couple years ago and my friend uh him and his wife both graduated from tennessee and they're the nicest people they came out they'll do anything for you and they love mm -hmm. I, I think i think they were there i forget was when peyton manning was there so 
uh, big time. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, that's yeah. why, again, why I said I got to have Jordan on my podcast because we got to get <laughs> people from Southern California uh, thinking more than just Alabama and Georgia. So let's talk about the cost. Okay. Yeah. So out of state, let's just uh, forget in state, uh, unless someone's listening from Tennessee. What's the out of state tuition cost? All said and done, tuition, room and board. Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we always like to talk about cost in a different way than what most people do because you're not just looking at going to school at, for four years and doing that. You're really looking at investing in yourself. So we call it the volunteer value. So the estimated Ooh. cost for incoming full-time students, right, it's a value. Um, That's a sales word. I like that, Jordan. <laughs> but it's true because you're not just, you know, you can go to a school that is less expensive, but they have less resources. They have less opportunities. They have less connections. Um less alumni. So it really is a value and you're investing in yourself. So for tuition and fees for out of state, it's 31,684. Semester? Uh, a year. And then room and board is 11,482. Got it. So the average total cost for a year is 43,166. And I can tell you that um, because of our $60 million in scholarships we gave out last year alone. Um, and because of opportunities that we give for students with out-of-state scholarships or resources, internships, those kinds of things, nearly half of our students graduate with zero debt. That, uh, all right. I'm going to give a shout out. I'm going to call my friend out, Dave Allen, right now because his son's looking at UT. Dave, that's $45,000 tuition and room and board and you get to go sailgate, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll come out and visit you and your son when we go to a football game out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? So yep. someone from Southern California without airfare and hotel, that's 45000 So you add yeah. airfare, hotel in there. I always like to add 10000 There's 55000 a year. Well, and if you consider, you know, even with the airfare, the hotel, those kinds of things, um, we still are way under the cost of living for Southern California. So those little things yes. like – buying milk or buying water or getting food over time, those things add up to being so exponentially more affordable. It's why we're one of the 100 best value schools by the newest U.S. News and World Report. We are ranked for that reason. We, we have such a value for the institution and also just the region and the territory. Um, it makes a big difference. Is your, okay, so I asked this question on my uh, previous podcast. The only school, college I know, that's giving – in-state tuition for California students is Ohio State University. So is Tennessee doing anything with COVID and maybe some of, and I know you guys had the CARES Act that 9.5 million was allocated to students, Mm -hmm. but are you doing anything with maybe reducing, uh, probably not, or else you would have mentioned it. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, we do have um, scholarships for out-of-state students that are much larger than our in-state scholarships to offset the cost and be fair and adequate for out-of-state students. So our out-of-state scholarships are significant. And um, what we did do during the time of, of COVID that changed for us is we went test optional for this year, which we haven't been in the past, and we provided a test optional scholarship. So most of the time, our scholarships were based on a combination of GPA and test scores. Um, we went through a rigorous training program and hired people specifically to be able to evaluate 
for the Beacon Scholarship, which is for test optional applicants in state and out of state. Um, and that scholar those scholarship numbers are significant as well. So we don't provide in-state tuition, but mm -hmm. I do think that we really and truly fairly contribute to a student's opportunity for scholarships that way. Um, and, and that's why 93% uh, of entering freshmen do receive financial aid. So most students are getting money from the university to be able to go to school. Is, does Tennessee have a co-op program? Yes, we do. Expand on that because when I hear co-op, I think of Northeastern, who has one of the best co-op programs in the nation. Does your how many quarter or semesters can a student do a co-op uh, before they say, you know what, no more, you got to go graduate? <laughs> you know, I actually am not sure the limit to the semesters. Okay. I just made sure that I knew that we had we have internships, we have co-ops, we have. Um, opportunities for students to do like service core and things like that um, internationally through study abroad or something else. So we do have those resources available and options for students. But as far as the, the limitations on how many times they can serve, I'm not sure. I do know that they lead to jobs, though, because my friend who I graduated with, he did a co-op with the university and, and the agricultural center. Yes. Um, and he now is one of the farmers for the University of Tennessee. He manages one of the farms. So it can lead to lifetime careers. Um, so maybe that's how we get students out. Okay, now you've co-opt and here's a job. Well, and, and, and let's face it, you get them out. Right now you have a nine and one basketball team for men's. You have an eight <laughs> and one women's basketball team. Obviously Pat Summit uh, built, uh, uh, built the program there, right? Right, um, one of the winningest coaches yes. in all of college basketball history did you know when we went out to tennessee actually we went to bowling green uh oh the stadium we watched the women's basketball i watched the women's basketball game and there was more people there than probably i'm not gonna say a men's basketball game but then than most colleges that have a men's basketball program no it's it's famously stated that the only women's sports that you can find people scalping tickets for are women's basketball and it's largely because of pat summit and the growth that she oh absolutely she did Amazing. for women's basketball there's her little uh statue out in the front i mean oh, yeah. walking that campus yeah. i think that whole day because what we like to do is when we do a tailgate when i visit campus we'll arrive on a thursday night Friday, I like to wake up, go have breakfast somewhere down on like downtown State Street, Gay Street. I don't know where we went. Yeah. And then we start roaming around the campus. I try to see where the uh, RVs are and I'll, I'll, I'll say, hey, I'm from California. All right. What, what do you all like? Is this, is this a good place to like hang out? Maybe I'll come see you Saturday and buy a beer off you. And so they're <laughs> like, yeah, come on down. Like, do they really realize I'm going to really show back up and, and, <laughs> and, and say, hey, remember me? Uh, and then we'll go out, we'll go watch a game. I try and see the whole tailgate set up Saturday. I think I walked 10 miles just uh -huh. in that uh, entire day up campus, lower campus. Cause it's kind of hilly <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I brought people to visit before yeah. and they wear like kind of nice shoes. And I'm like, Oh, you made a bad mistake. Yes. We'll need some tennis shoes if you're going to make it. So <laughs> Jordan, what was your favorite memory when you were a student in Knoxville? Oh gosh. Um, so like I told you, I was a ball, a ball fan growing up. So to me, there were so many things that were super tender memories for me. Um, can I name a couple? Because yes, it's really you can. Hard for, okay. Yeah, we're so, selling students. We're selling parents. <laughs> go for it. Um, so being at a Tennessee football game is unreal. And there's a tradition that we have that is my favorite tradition. Um, so at the end of every football game, 
everybody in the stadium, again, like your COVID alarm is going to go off, but everybody in the stadium wraps their arms around one another. <laughs> and the pride of the Southland marching band, one of the most famous and it's old band. marching bands in the history of college, um, they play the Tennessee Waltz. And it's the most beautiful version of the Tennessee Waltz, in my opinion, that I've ever heard. And everyone puts their arms around each other and they sway back and forth. And there's one part at the very end of them playing where they hold a note and we stick our foot out and we shake our foot and then we go back to swing until the end. And it's our way of ending the football games. And so there's just a sense of like camaraderie that win or lose, that we are all together at the end of that game and, and that we st- stuck around and supported the team. That's a really special memory. And then, um, because I sing, I just loved being a part of the choirs at UT. So I was a part of UT Singers, which are the choral ambassadors for the university. And so I got to tour um, every fall break and every spring break. I toured with UT Singers to wow. do a little bit of recruiting for the university. I'd visit different schools and alumni groups and and perform and provide information about the university. Um, and so that was just really special to be able to give back to the university um, and, and do it, doing something that I love. Those are some great memories. Well, next time you're in studio, you'll have to, uh, maybe sing a note with, uh, <laughs> my producer, Murph Cargus. <laughs> we, I'd be happy to. <laughs> we, we, we could talk forever, but before I let you go, I always like to do my rapid fire, uh, best bar out in Knoxville. Downtown Grand Brewery, my favorite restaurant. Uh, best place when you wake up, you have a hangover where are you having breakfast. Ruby sunshine in the market square. Parents come to town, Mr. and Ms. Burner taking you and your friends out. Where are they taking you? Most expensive place. Most expensive place. Well, I, I just said that. I may have teed it up. Where, uh, are they, where are they taking you and your friends out? Because I know where my daughters want me to take them out when we come to town. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely somewhere in Market Square or Gay Street. If you're going to go to an expensive spot, though, Yield Steakhouse on Chapman Highway, That's if you want to get a good steak, that's the place to go. Late night munchies. Where are you going? Mm. Um, cookout. It's on the strips. So we have a place called the strip right off campus. They're open until like two or 3 a.m. And it's, it's definite late night munchies for sure. <laughs> you can get a whole tray for five bucks. <laughs> Jordan, it's been a blast talking to you. I wish it was a better situation conditions uh, where I can have you come in studio. But I want to say thank you for joining and we'll have to do this and run it back and sell Tennessee uh, the next time you're out here and next time you can come up to Orange County. Michael, it's honestly been a pleasure. I've so enjoyed being able to talk with you and um, your producer as well. Murph, is that it? Murph, Mur- Murph Cargus, yeah. I want to thank Murph my ex- <laughs> executive producer, Murph Cargus. This is Fonger News for the student manager. Again, Jordan Burner, class of 12, University of Tennessee. If you haven't checked it out, you got to go Rocky Top. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more orange the next time you're out here. But again, <laughs> um, University of Tennessee Vols, SEC country, baby. Right, Jordan? Woo-hoo! That's right. Go Vols. <laughs> Fonger News out.